Where his romance with Mary Bright was concerned, Ferdon did not like to do things small. Thus it was that they did not take their honeymoon immediately after their wedding, for he could not think of anywhere appropriately grandiose. Most couples simply went to a faraway destination they had always wanted to see, or to a simple but romantic setting somewhere nearby. But as far as Ferdon was concerned, he and Mary Bright were not most couples. Theirs was not an ordinary love. They had been married by a god, after all. No, a traditional honeymoon destination was out of the question, and until inspiration struck, the honeymoon would have to wait. He did not know exactly where they would go, but it would be nothing short of spectacular. Less than that simply would not do. The delay put Mary's wings into an agitated flutter. She protested that she did not want or need a big honeymoon. A simple night of passion in his arms was all the honeymoon she needed. She was the daughter of the Fairy Queen, but she was too humble to wish to be treated like royalty. But Ferdon was adamant. She had many simple nights of passion in his arms, and he would be damned if their first time together as a wedded couple would be more of the same. The wait will be worth it, Ferdon assured her. Trust me. She pouted and gave him a simpering look calculated to stir his passion. But he resisted. He was determined that their marriage would not be consummated until their honeymoon. But it had best come soon, he admitted to himself. Even his strength to resist was no match for a beguiling fairy princess. The hours and days passed, and as she puttered about the inn in her enticing way, he could feel his resolve slipping. Fortunately, the evening of the third day after their wedding, a guest arrived who aroused Ferdon's suspicions by requesting a spot on the roof for the night rather than a room. The roof, Ferdon said gruffly, we don't have any beds on the roof. The man was about Ferdon's age, with a neatly trimmed beard and short black hair just beginning to gray around the edges. He was very tall and lanky, dressed in a tweed jacket and trousers that were dusty from travel. He had a long face and a pair of spectacles that, coupled with the beard and jacket, gave him an air of academia. I don't need a bed, the man said with a refined accent that further identified him as a learned person. I've been roughing it for the past week just to get here in time. I can stand to lay my head on my pack for another few nights. Ferdon wasn't yet ready to enter the man's name into the guest book. This whole business about the roof was still too odd for that, since they didn't exactly have a spot for guests on the roof, and such a request had never been made before. They had a small patio of sorts, really little more than a narrow ledge on the rooftop near the weather vane, from which Bubba often practiced shooting pigeons. But to use it as a spot for guests? And what was this blather about traveling for a week just to get a spot on the roof? Get here in time for what? Ferdon asked. The man had arrived with a big sturdy suitcase that sat on the floor beside him. He nudged it with his foot, as if it held the answers to all Ferdon's questions. Why, to be on hand in the perfect place, 
from which to observe the most magnificent celestial event in several generations. Fairdon leaned forward to peer over the counter at the suitcase. What's in there? he asked. Not that it was actually any of his business, but the man seemed not to mind talking about it, and, well, Fairdon had to admit that his suspicions had given way to curiosity. It's a telescope, my dear fellow, the man said. A what? Fairdon thought he'd once read something about such a device in some book or another, but he couldn't recall details at the moment. A telescope, the man repeated, to observe the heavens. Ah. The man tapped the guest book. Now how about it, good sir? A spot on the roof? Fairdon picked up his pen. Name? he asked. Professor Ernest Fitzwhistle. Professor. Humph. <laughs>